Welcome to another edition of Unplugged. Uh, great to be back again, reflecting on a, a really significant win. I know the GWS Giants uh, didn't necessarily set the world on fire in, in 2020, but the expectation was as a pretty talented group that they would uh, bounce back again. And we entered the game with nine players unavailable, at least seven of them within our best 22. Really difficult conditions in the wet in Sydney. Uh, we trailed early. We trailed by 12 points halfway through the last quarter and had to really pull out all stops. I thought it was a, a fine victory, probably on a par with the win over Port Adelaide last season, as good as Port Adelaide were. And the fact that they were the top side all year, I think it was a really important win on the road that hopefully we can now consolidate upon. 13.886 to 11.12.78. Tim Membry with three crucial goals. Seb Ross, not a noted goal scorer. He kicked a couple of really crucial ones. Jack Higgins, a couple of goals in his first game for the club. And Jack Loney with a couple of goals, including one of the goals of the year, midway through the final term to start the momentum for us once again. But we get to one and zero. Hopefully we slowly start to work players back. Zach Jones and Max King likely to return, you would think, this week. Zach Jones played in the VFL uh, and or in a practice match and did very, very nicely. And Max King appears to have ticked all relevant boxes in his concussion recovery. But, H, that was a, a pretty significant win. I mean, uh, remains to be seen how good GWS are. But um, I thought we copped the rough end of the pineapple. I thought we copped a fair bit of bad luck. Uh, and all in the lead-up was against us. But we found a way to produce a really important win. Yeah, we seemed to battle a number of elements on the weekend, it seemed. Um, but to come away with a win that we did in that fashion, mm -hmm. I mean, I was sitting there after the game sort of thinking the last time we've sort of gone into a game like that, where we're missing almost half a team and we're relying on our second string players. I'm thinking back to 2009, going down the Tassie against Hawthorne with a whole bunch of players that mm. haven't had a game for a long time because they've been sitting on the sideline playing VFL or, uh, well, it's VFL back in those days. And coming out with a gutsy win because you've got these players that they're going in going, hang on, we've got a bunch of players waiting behind us who are automatic ins. I want to keep my spot. Yeah, that's right. So these players have stepped up and gone, hey, watch us. We, we, we want our spot. We're going to fight for a spot. And that can be only the best thing for the team. It's it, The battling for that position is going to make us a great team. Trivia question for you. Hey, true played his only game for St Kilda that day. The name's going to jump. He did play head. for another club. Yeah, I can't think of the at the moment. To be honest, clue was he was Irish. Irish. No, I've. Colm Colm Begley. Colm Begley. Played his only game. That's the voice of Nick, who's uh, also with us. And yeah, really, really significant. Um, I think in the in the scheme of what we're trying to do uh, long term, to be able to get a character booster like that. Absolutely. I think you know you, you look back and. and in previous years, we we lose that game. Oh yeah, I think you know yeah. we, we started slow and and you know, end up wrestling wrestling our way back into the game. We, you take the lead and, and you lead for most of the game and then give up the lead in the last quarter. Historically, St Kilda loses those games, and, and for for that team, that squad to show the fight that they did against everything, you know, against the elements, against a, another pretty decent squad, um, and some would say against a, a few other yeah. a few other. <laughs> personalities on the field as well, um, was really impressive. And, and I think it, it really showed the, the strength of Brett Ratton and what his coaching team have, have done with our squad and, and mentally what they've done, but also the way that we played football in those conditions, we, we still look to, to move the ball quickly. We look to, to kick long to, to, to a target. Um, and we look to make things happen and, and be playmakers, you know, in that sort of weather, you kind of expect to get people behind the ball, around the ball and, and make it a real a real scrap and we look to move it quickly. We look to play real football. Um, and, and that was really impressive. It was really, um, positive, I think for, for the way that we we should expect to, to play football for the rest of the season. Um, so I was, I was very impressed with that performance. Yeah, it was, um, that, that later stages of the second quarter where we, it was a frustrating game where we'd take control and then concede a goal on half time completely against the flow. Uh, then we conceded one just before three-quarter time. And, and even at the end, when we kicked all those goals in a row, and then Lockie Keefe, who's probably never kicked a goal in his life, kicks a set shot from 55 metres out near the boundary. And you're sitting there thinking, geez, are they just going to pip us because it's one of those days where, where, yeah. where those things happen? And um, 
probably a little bit frustrating that the only umpire in discussion out of the game was the only bad decision that went our way. I mean, 43 went the other way, but um, and it wasn't even that. It was a weird one, that, the the holding the ball bump, because watching it live, obviously, on, on a monitor, it looked like I oh, got a bit of a jumper. That's holding the ball. It, it looked pretty clear-cut the first time you watch it, and it's only when they showed a replay that you're like, oh, he's actually bumped him. He mm. hasn't tackled him. But and, and there is another slow-motion angle as well. Yeah. It looks like he's got two arms around mm. him. So. Yeah, exactly. And, and, and either way, I mean, technically, it's incorrect disposal, even without a tackle. But look, it's it's probably not a free kick, but it's not the worst decision I've ever seen. That's for sure. And, yeah. and, Certainly and, not. I mean, Jack Steele's tackle was, was worse than that as a decision. And, and you've got to remember that that goal didn't put us in front either. It, it yeah. sealed the lead. Exactly. And we, we were, we, even if we hadn't kicked that goal, we were still in front. And, yeah. you know. and let's paint a picture. I mean, the ball's 40 metres out from our goal. We're two points in front. Callum Ward's on the ground, and we had three loose players. Yeah, I think it spilled straight to Gresham. So, we're, so yeah, we're yeah. probably kicking a goal. And even if we're not, and it's a stop play, the chances in the wet of them going coast to coast in 40 seconds and kicking a goal anyway were slim. Yeah. It, it, so. As you say, I mean, it pretty much sealed it. I mean, yeah. they had enough time. When the ball goes back to the centre, mm. that gives them – a better time because they go back to the 666. Yeah, exactly. I mean, they can kick a goal quickly from that, yeah. but from where they were, it's, it's a exactly. long way back. Exactly. Um, as I think I was discussing before the game last week, mm. two, it's two kicks out of the back line to get to the middle in mm. those sort of conditions. Um, and then you've got to hit a target and you've got to be able to hit a target that's uh, got good hands in the wet. So it, yeah. it's, it's, there's a lot to still play out at that point. But I mean, there's so many decisions. You look, you go back and if you, I mean, you pinpoint the last one in the last minute, but many other decisions make a uh, impacts early uh, earlier in the game. I mean, Higgins should probably have a free kick within the first three minutes oh, yeah. in front of goal, where yes, he, right. he got dragged to the yeah. ground. It's not just yeah. the, the decisions that are paid; it's the ones that are not paid as well. Exactly. Yeah. And there were a yeah. lot of those that that didn't go our way. I think throughout, especially through the first half of the game, mm. I thought. Yeah, ones that get paid one yeah. way, and then they get paid the other way only moments later. You're thinking. Like, why is that one paid and that one not? That's the only thing that annoys me is that some of the commentary around it saying it was the game deciding free kick. Like the giant, it was nearly impossible for GWS to win the game. Nearly impossible. Yeah. So um, even without that, but, but obviously great to get the result. Um, Tom Highmore had nearly 20 possessions on debut. He made one mistake, but that's to be forgiven where he sort of handballed it back into the corridor. But, but apart from that, he was pretty good. Hunter, I thought, was solid without being spectacular. And the worry is obviously Max Gorn this mm. week, but... He was beaten by Flynn in the ruck for, for GWS. And I thought Sean McKernan struggled throughout, but his last 10 minutes was really, really good One in the ruck. Best in that last yeah. Quarter, I thought. yeah, really good in the ruck. Um, just getting to the contest, that, mm. that was probably his biggest um, point of mm. point of difference in those last last minutes, as we're saying. Um, he, he seemed to be running under it early on. Um, I thought the ball carried over his head a number of times early on, and I was like, oh, he's, he's not judging it. Or I don't know if it was going over his head from the wind or something or mm. other. It was a bit, it sounded like it was a little bit swirly up there. Um, but yeah, eventually got to the right spots and he was either, yeah, he was either cl- punching the ball or making the contest and getting it to ground. And, but yeah, he eventually found that he was getting the right positions. The the ruck contest this week against the D's is going to be really interesting because Hunter, I think, competed well. Yeah. And, and especially in the ruck contest, I think he probably broke even. But it was around the ground that Flynn got on top of him, and, yeah. and you know, in terms of um, some contested marks, big in big moments, contested marks that that Flynn really stood up and and showed his strength in in those moments, and Hunter couldn't quite go with him uh, around the ground. So Gorn, who's clearly one of the, the league's premier around the ground rucks in terms of having an impact, taking those marks, kicking goals, running forward, and 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 going both ways, it's going to be really interesting to see what Rats and the team does with that ruck spot based on, on McKernan's last quarter as well, you know, do you kind of tank the, the bounce, tank, mm. tank the rut contest and, and, and try and, you know, maybe play an extra mid or you, you bring King in and, and get McKernan to run, run around the ground with, with yeah. I, I don't know, but it, it's, you know, it could be, it could be one of those defining matchups. It could be. And I remember back in the mid nineties, Stan Ells tagging Jim Steins with Robert Harvey. So whether you get a running player mm. that who's a bit more mobile and tall, I don't know, who that could conceivably be. Battle McCurran, or something. Josh Battle, maybe. Not yeah, not, yeah he's well, not bad. So. Yeah, so something like that. Because that's that's one of our major hurdles to overcome. We feel like we could have them covered in a, in a lot of areas. It's just whether um whether that becomes a, a problem 
for us. So I thought Bytel was pretty solid at 10 mm. or 11 tackles. Yeah, well, at six quarter time. Six yeah. quarter time and finished yeah. with 10. So um, ended up still being our leading tackler. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know whether young exuberance got him going <laughs> the first quarter and then sort of... Bugged after that. Yeah, it just had... He, it was gone by quarter time or something. But wouldn't, wouldn't have been too many times in the last no. couple of years that someone out-tackled Jack Steele, though. No, no and... And what was pleasing also was that Jack Steele had 15 in the first half, only four in the second, and none in the last quarter. And we were able to um, we were able to win. Brad Hill was was solid. He kicked obviously a brilliant goal in the second quarter. Conditions don't necessarily suit that type of player, but but he was all right. Um, how did you play your votes? Yeah, really interesting. I um I think Tim Embry was clearly yeah our best. You already have 21 and three. I think it most was possessions in, uh, he's ever had in a game. Yeah, yeah and, and clearly the most influential mm-hmm. player. I mean, if not just forward, but the most influential player on the ground. Yeah. Uh, I gave two to Jade Gresham. I think for impact, again, you know, someone that we, we dearly missed in the second half of last season, and we spoke about him last week, about his potential impact now that he's got a lot of good players around him. Um, I, I thought he was very good and, and a bit of an X factor for us in, in the middle. Um, and the one vote I found really difficult because there are a lot of a lot of guys and and it, it came down to Hunter Clark and Jack Sinclair, and I gave it to Hunter Clark just because in those conditions he looked like he was playing with a dry yeah. ball yeah. and and just his his ability to to move out of congestion in general, but under those conditions was was incredible. H. Um, well, I'll swing it around because we did have a few complaints last year mm-hmm. about the order we're doing that in. Um, <laughs> Sorry about that. Forgot about that. I'm the one that usually cocks that up. So. <laughs> <laughs> but as you're saying, trying to fit the three in this week was. Pre- There's six, seven, eight that could quite easily get votes here. Um, I gave the one to Billings. Um, Thirty touches and a goal on a wet day. Um, the where would he go? Eighty-six uh, percent disposals as well. So it, it was reasonably clean when you look at it. Um, so he used the ball very well. Um, it, it just seemed to find space really easily as well. Um, so he was sort of sort of opening us up and getting us moving when the ball sort of got a bit stuck somewhere and it'd come out and he'd find a space and get us moving again. Um, two, digression. Um, obviously, yeah, great game. Um, used the ball well. Got us out of the middle where we needed to. I mean, we won the clearances. Um I think what the, well, he had five clearances. I think they were all center clearances. Um, I don't think, I don't remember him getting one around the ground, but they're all in the middle. So they got us moving as he I was, was, he was at a lot of center bounce. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So as I was saying last week, the the first thing we had to do was get that first use out of the center, knowing what the weather was going to be like. So he got us, yeah, he got us the ones he could. Um, and yeah, Tim Membry, best on three goals. Uh, we weren't expecting a, well, I'm, he's not exactly a tall forward, but a, a a big forward. Um, he's that sort of mid-sized forward, really. But he played as our key forward on the weekend. And, yeah, to pick up the three goals and lead, lead the way up there. He Great game. Um, I looked into the, I think it was the inside 50s. He had seven of his own as well. So if he wasn't there, he was getting the ball in for us. So um, great game and well-deserved three votes. Yeah, I gave... Basically the same votes as, as H. I think for, for memory, first quarter, obviously the only quarter where he didn't hit the scoreboard. He had multiple inside 50s in that term and we were kicking against the breeze to sort of give us some territory and hold us up. The goal he kicked before half time was important. Uh, Ripper goal in the third quarter from about 50 out on the run into the wind. Um, I remember thinking, because we'd chipped it over the top, we had players everywhere. So I remember thinking on the TV, what's he having a shot for? He's, He's got... It got players everywhere. Yeah, he had two blokes on their own running to Yeah, that's goal. right. But then he just drilled it and I'm like, well as long as you as long as you kick it, that's all right. But it was a beautiful kick. But yeah, he burnt he burnt a yeah, few blokes. Both players you saw the arms <laughs> yeah. go down and go, oh no. But as long as you kick it, that's fine. Players yep. can do that if they back themselves and as long as they hit it. And then the the contested mark, which statistically was the only contested mark we took for the game. We got beaten twelve one in contested marks. The only contested mark we were credited with was the one that Membry took half well, with about five minutes to go to kick our twelfth goal to put us up by seven. I reckon he was a bit unlucky because he took one in defence a few minutes later, which wasn't deemed contested, which almost was. So uh, but then yeah that, that that topped it off by going down the other end and, and doing it there as well. Um two votes to Gresham, his polish uh, twenty one of his possessions were kicks as well, but his polish is uh, something we really missed. He, he's another guy that would have been so important in that final against Richmond last year. You, you sort of can't help but 
think about what Ryder and, and Carlisle and Long and Gresham does to that game potentially. Um, and Jack Billings, yeah, 30 possessions. Starts seasons very well if you look at Billings' record. His, his early rounds of seasons are always really, really good. So hopefully he can go on with it. Honourable mentions to a couple of others. Uh, Seb Ross gets an honourable mention. But one that probably won't get mentioned by too many who I thought his first game in at least 18 months, possibly longer than that. I thought Jimmy Webster played really well. Um, a couple of times where he literally just put his body in the way, stopped balls, turned it around, controlled it. His first kick was a shocker. Yeah, it went off the side of his foot. Oh, but, um, I don't know if he hit the, hit the side of his yeah, foot. Yeah, he almost it, missed. It dribbled off his yeah. little toe, I think. Yeah, <laughs> but, but I think he did everything else quite well. And, and I thought that um, he got a real big tick for, for his performance, Jimmy Webster, coming back into the side. He gets what, a gets a an honourable. What did you guys think of Jack Sinclair off halfback? He really good. I love yeah, him. Yeah, brilliant. brilliant. Um, yeah. I think he's found a position there. Um, he's a great user of the ball. Yeah. He is, um, yeah. and he, he he seems to read the play really well. He's, mm-hmm. he's finding himself getting into positions and getting that cut out ball to yeah send it back our way and just just getting finding space that's. Um, hasn't necessarily been there. Mm. Um, I think he's one that's going to take advantage of this mark on the mark rule too. Yeah. Um, running mm. past a player and yeah, then picking off a kick somewhere and hitting at another target. And it, it's, I think those smaller forwards are uh, smaller backs are really going to have a lot more impact this year with that. And with a good ball user like him, we've got to keep using that. And yeah, Sorry, go I was going to say, well, the, the goal Seb Ross kicked to put us in front in the last quarter was exactly that, where he exploited the fact that the man on the mark couldn't move and ran around and drilled it by improving the distance. Yeah, the, the other one that I thought was was a huge tick for us, and you mentioned, was was Jack Billings. And I think we know we know that he's a really good ball user. Mm. We know how dangerous he can be, especially forward of centre. But I think one one knock on him has been his his toughness around the ball and in, in the contest. And I think he, you know, this is a huge year for Jack Billings in in, in the course of his career. But the way that he he attacked the ball, he attacked the man, he put his head over it, and, and really showed that he can be he can be a real midfielder, not just a half forward flanker or, or a forward pocket, and and you know one of those flighty kind of light forwards, um, but he can he can make a real impact in the middle mm-hmm. of the ground and 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 you know really hit the contest hard. And we want to talk about Jack Loney's goal. Uh, yeah, of course. Uh, yeah. I mean, the, where did that come from? Yeah, that's it's, a freakish goal. Yeah, yeah I mean, and nominated we, for goal of the year, and we needed, well. yeah, we needed it so badly at the time. Um, something out of nothing, and that swung the game back our yeah, way. And, yeah. and talking to swing, that someone behind us said it swung like yeah. Nick Malloy's <laughs> <laughs> on um, Cracker Jack. So, and there's, there's yeah. been questions about how Jack Loney fits into the side with mm. you know with Butler and and um, Higgins and and Billings and and a whole lot of these kind of smaller guys, but he showed that he he fits. You know, they can make mm. it work. So. Yeah. Uh, the other two, I thought, yeah, Hill's goal was great, but Higgins' mark in the third quarter between two players yeah, was a, a terrific grab. I'll, I'll, yeah. I've got to give credit to that kick. Yeah, that that kick. I think that was Sinclair. Actually. Yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah. 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 slightly uh, either way, he doesn't get that ball. No, uh, it it was the pinpoint between it the two players. It was amazing. The commentary was raving about the mark, and, yeah. and I remember saying in our in our little group and on, on Twitter, yeah, like, that, kick was, that kick, that yeah. kick was incredible. So. Uh, um, so that was uh, it's a bit of a summary of, of everything that we saw. We'll preview the match against Melbourne very, very shortly, but we'll focus first of all on the occasion and what it all means. It's been a long time coming. Obviously, September 2019 was when Spud passed away. Danny Frawley, of course, 240 games with the Saints, captain, best and fairest winner as well. Uh, second longest serving captain in the club's history behind Nick Rewalt, who only took that mantle off him very late in the uh in Nick's uh, captaincy tenure, around about 2016-ish, he would have got that. But uh, we're going to catch up with both Chelsea Frawley, one of Spud's uh, three daughters, and also a former long-time teammate, another captain of the club, and one of Spud's great mates in Stuart Lowe. Danny's legacy transcends the football field. He was more than just a footballer more than an entertainer. He was a mental health warrior and the ultimate mate to those who knew him. He was just so committed to destigmatizing mental ill health. So Spud's game is our chance to not only celebrate the great man's legacy, to promote a national conversation that can help to early interventions, 
and tackle the prevalence of mental ill health within our community. Of course, we've spoken a lot about it, but it is Spud's game this week. It's been a little while in the making. Of course, 2020 ruined the chances for a lot of those sort of tribute and, and special occasion matches that, that we would normally have. Maddie's match and, and certainly St Kilda had ambitions for doing this around the West Coast Eagles match at the start of last season. But it is appropriate in St Kilda's return to, to Marvel Stadium in front of crowds and with an increase of crowds that was announced this week up to uh, around 43,000 that we do continue to celebrate it. And, and Chelsea, one of three daughters, of course, for, for Danny and uh, Anita. And uh, it is terrific to, to have you with us, Chelsea. Thank you very much for your time. Thanks so much for having me, boys. It's exciting to be able to get on and talk about the game this weekend. But I think, yeah, I mean, Victorians and Australians have been starved from being able to go to their favourite teams to watch them on the weekend for 18 months. So it's pretty pretty big weekend ahead. Obviously, uh, as, as, as Kilda fans, obviously a really big moment, a really big event for, for us as fans. But what does it mean to, to you as, as, as the Frawley family? I think... It's incredibly special to be able to hold on to something that's so positive um, in his mental health legacy. It kind of uh, makes, I don't want to say, it's just like makes it a, a lot more of a positive situation after the tragedy that did happen. Um, being able to hold on to that legacy is kind of going to be our driving force over the, I mean, it's my passion now and I assume it's the same with the rest of my family um, to make sure that this doesn't happen to other families. We've seen a number of names who have been associated with spreading the word of this great cause. Who are some of the current day former players who have jumped in, given their time and just helped to try and help get the word out of what, what this cause is trying to do? Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, as you can see behind me, Robert Harvey um, and Stuart Lowe have really jumped on board with this um, Time to Talk campaign. They're two of our major ambassadors. Um, they've also, I mean... Stewie has been a great um, voice for the campaign because he has been able to be vulnerable and share his um, story, his side of the story of what happened with dad because he was one of his best friends. Um, also, we have Gary Lyon um, join the campaign as well and Jason Dunstall. And um, we are actually getting plugged down to the game on Saturday. So that's a massive, a massive, um, yeah, I mean, tribute to dad that, uh, he can galvanise Plugger to get down here to support the cause. Obviously, you know or knew Danny better than, than most of us. I was lucky enough to work with him uh, quite a bit over the journey. And I always you reflect on moments like this. And when we see 43,000 people there on Saturday night, we see all of these past players, his great mate Plugger, who uh, seldom comes out for events like this to be drawn out for, for something so significant. How do you imagine he would have felt or would feel if he could see it. And, uh, you know, he often spoke about head wobble and things like that. Just for him to look at it and go, you know, he, he, I'm sure he'd be very, very proud of something he built, not just in regards to the fact that as St Kilda people, we loved him, but the message that, that, that is so important to the world. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, after having conversations with Matt Finnis, who's the CEO here, he mentioned that dad bugged him all the time as to why he didn't have a name on the door or he why he didn't make the team of the century and i think that him up there seeing that he's going to have an entire center named after him in conjunction with a match i think he would be just chuffed and i think it lends itself i mean it's so special that it's in his legacy and not just his name i think that that is the yeah the proudest part uh chelsea Danny was always a, a big mental health advocate, especially in the, the latter part of his life and, and in his media career. Do you remember him always being like that at home, kind of personally in, in that sort of environment? Yeah, I think absolutely. From a young age, Dad was always pretty open about how he felt and how he was feeling. I think that that was probably more evident in the family dynamic. He wanted us to grow up being able to share our feelings and um, was always in touch with like what's going on, what's happening, why are you sad, that type of thing. But I think that as the mental health stigma was reduced in the like, the later part of his life, he felt more com comfortable sharing that publicly. Publicly. So most supporters have their memories of Danny the player. Obviously being your dad, do you have memories of Danny the footballer? And we've also seen 
the photo of yourself running out onto the ground with him in his last game. Do you have any memories of that day? Yeah, I, I it's hard for me to remember. I, I was, I think I was four years old. I do have um, memories of just being surrounded by the football club and what a great family it was back then and um, how close everyone was. Um, yeah, I don't have too many memories, but I think it has definitely... It's interesting when people say this because I always saw dad as dad. And so whenever anyone refers to him as Danny Frawley, it kind of doesn't really connect with me as well, just because I don't see him as this larger than life figure as ever, that everyone else does. I see him as the dad. So I think that growing up when everyone was like, oh, Spud's your dad, Danny Frawley's your dad, it didn't really connect with me because I only just knew him as dad, the guy at home who would drive me to rowing, be there for me when I come home to have a conversation. I'd watch the footy with him. When he was coach, I would watch all the tapes with him as well. So, yeah, I think that, yeah, they're the memories I have. One thing that was a legacy of his, he went on to coach Richmond and and like most coaches, you eventually lose your, your job. It's just part and parcel of what happens. But he became a, a strong advocate in that space for the Coaches Association, looking after the welfare of, of coaches that went through that very thing. And that probably says a lot about it as well, that for all of the experiences he had throughout his career and, and playing and coaching, that he often used those to to help others. And I think that coaching stint was really evident of that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, at the end of Richmond, he was pretty defeated mentally. I think that that period was not something that we ever want to look back on and think of as a good time when the, I mean, the early days of Richmond were great when he was winning, but at the end it was a little bit, um, yeah, it wasn't that great, but I completely agree. I think that he saw the way, the pressure that comes with being a senior coach and also um, the media attention that does come with being a mid, uh, a senior coach um, and how important it was to help educate the future senior coaches on how to deal with the pressure that comes along with that. Um, Chelsea, last one for me, but is there one thing that you want to say to the Sakilda community, to the AFL community that, you know, what, what's it like being Spud's daughter and, and is there something that you'd love kind of the, the general community to know about him as, as a person? That's a really good question. Um, he was such an open and honest person that I think that he does connect with the community on such a deep level. Um, and that's kind of why his death kind of had a ripple effect through the entire, not necessarily St Kilda community, but the whole AFL community. I mean, he was just what you see is what you get, I think, is the most important thing. And I think he wore his heart on his sleeve and he wasn't scared to have the hard conversations and he wasn't scared to be vulnerable. And I think that that message is something that I hope is his lasting legacy, that people aren't scared to be vulnerable and having hard conversations. I think, yeah. I think that he did some incredible work in that space. And I think that should be his lasting legacy. Chelsea, thank you very much. Good luck for the, uh, for the weekend. Uh, and hopefully long may this continue. It's a really, really important message. It's a really important occasion and great to get the insights of, of the family on, on behalf of us as a St Kilda podcast. Obviously we'll, we'll always have a, a special place in our heart for, uh, for Danny and the contribution he made, not just to the footy club, but, but with this really important message going forward. So, so thank you very much. If any of the supporters want to get involved, they can head to movember.com slash spud and donate. That All those funds will go towards the Danny Foley Centre um, mental health programs, including Movember's ahead of the game. And we'll share those out as part of our links as well. Thank you very much. Thank you so much, team. Well, just terrific. We, we were lucky enough last season as one of our featured chats just prior to the COVID lockdown, actually, to, to catch up with uh, one of the greats of the football club, a former All-Australian, a best and fairest winner, a club captain, 300 gamer and the best part of 600 goals with the club, but also a great mate of Danny Frawley and part of the uh, crew of past players, including Robert Harvey and, and Jason Dunstall and Gary Lyon and a few others that have put their uh, their thoughts and their efforts behind Spud's game this weekend as St Kilda takes on Melbourne. I speak of Buckets, uh, Stuart Lowe. And Stewie, thanks very much for jumping back on with us. No, my pleasure, Darren. Um, if, uh, if, a, if a ball hits me or I seem a tiny little bit distracted, I'm walking around the middle of the oval down at Halbury uh, for uh, the old boys' training session, which um, 
the great man coach for girls, and I can I can see uh, young Chelsea running out with the girls, just starting uh, their training run as well. So it's quite fitting, mate, that we have a chat and uh, it's also, right about now. Also quite fitting. We had Chelsea on about three minutes ago as well, just prior well, to her, uh, her running out. There you but, uh, go. As long as you don't get hit by a golf ball like Max King, we uh, we'd be we'd be just about set. But um, I guess the importance of this, I think we all were, were full of of praise and respect for the way you spoke. Uh, at the funeral, but also at the best and fairest, where, where a couple of us were, were, were lucky to attend. We know how close you were to, to Danny, but how important this this event is for for you and and for him. Yeah, look, it's 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 something that's uh, it, it's it's really close to my heart. Um, you know, he's one of my best mates. So I've been just super close to the family all the way through. Um, you know, he was he was more than just uh, my captain. Um, you know, we we, we developed just a, a great friendship. With our families as well, and um, look, I've been touched. I've been touched with mental illness within my family, and um, I lost it, my sister uh, 18 months ago in similar circumstances. So it's just something that I'm, 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 I'm really proud to jump on board with, and 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 just try to spread the message and try to get something good out of what's really been a, a pretty ordinary sort of 18 months, two years since uh, you know since, since all this stuff's happened. So. Um, yeah, great, great initiative. Um, super, super. What um, Chelsea and, and and Anita and Danielle, and obviously Kelly's been stuck overseas, um, but the girls have been absolutely fantastic. As has the footy club and and all the the broader football community. So if we can we can just uh, make this a bit of a, a a football sort of statement on 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 Saturday night and, and start something that just starts the conversation about mental illness and and. I suppose just destigmatizes it and, and makes it a little bit easier for people to feel comfortable about a coming out and saying, "Look, I need help," and b for those people who are actually struggling with somebody close to them and dear to them um, to sort of know and 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 give them a, a, another opportunity to actually have some dialogue with some people that might be able to help. Now, you would describe Danny as your former teammate, your former captain. Uh, best mate, family friend, everything. What What is the lasting impact he has had on your life? What he basically, how would you best describe him as, as the person, daddy? Look, there's just so many stories and we all, we've all seen him, you know, um, play the fool and, and, and be the comedian on telly, which he just was extremely quick witted and, and just uh, had a wicked sense of humor. But he was just amazingly selfless. And I, I just recall the day of my 300th game, Malcolm Blight was coaching. We were going through a pretty horrid sort of you know, start to the season. It might have been around about round eight or something. And ironically, we were, we were playing at you know, the then Eddie Ed Stadium, Marble Stadium. And um, Danny was, of course, the, the, the coach of, of the Tigers at the time. And um, a few of the boys, I think Harves rang him, and said, "Listen, would you would you mind coming in and um, saying a few words uh, to Lowy?" And and um, he he came in, uh, you know, coaching an opposition side into you know within within the confines of the of the room, um, and he addressed the entire team literally five minutes before he ran out. I don't think it's ever been done, and it probably will never be done again. But he just wanted it to to happen, and. Um, it was it was great, and you know we 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 notched up one of our first wins for the year, and uh, it was it was just one of those lasting memories that I that I'll, I'll just never forget. And um, you know he just did that time and time again to to lots of people out there, um, probably to the detriment of himself. He'd always just put himself second and and others first. So for me, um, you know we we had a lot of laughs and had some great trips away, but um, you know his work ethic. His ability to just to want to throw his arms around people and say, "Come follow me," or "Do you need a hand?" or "Do you need a chat?" Um, that's what's going to forever be in my heart and, and and how I'll remember him. Stewie, thanks for coming on the show again. Obviously, it's it's great to have you on a, a second time. Um, obviously, to talk about such a, an important and, and uh, touching subject. But we um we spoke to to Chelsea Frawley, as Darren said earlier, and um, one of the things that we asked was was. Spud was always very open and, and honest, especially in that, that kind of la- later period of, of his life. Do you remember him being that same kind of guy when he was a, a player, when he was that hard nut fullback? Was he always kind of that, that softy on the inside and, and you know, would lay his heart out on the line 
over a coffee on, on a, a Sunday morning? Um, yes, yeah, I, 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 he was. There's no doubt there was um, stuff going on for a long time that he didn't let us all know, um, we suspected. But, you know, um, I think people with that illness and when they're suffering from it learn to put band-aids over things and, and learn to cover them up. But I would have said, you know, that he always wore his heart on his sleeve. He knew exactly how he felt at the time. Um, you know, he was... He was always emotional as, as as tough as he was um you know he wore his heart on his sleeve but um you know sometimes i think there's just that inability to to really open up and and try to mask it doing other things and and he did open up but it was obviously a little bit too late and we couldn't sort of help him um get out of that um sort of deep dark spot he, he got into um but um yeah look yeah over the years we we you know, we, we shared many a coffee and a quiet beer and, you know, discussed the what-ifs about our footy. And, you know, we we're always both very proud of what we were able to get out of ourselves. Um, but, um, yeah, just, just deep down, I think there was just a lot of demons there that, that, that he just couldn't he just couldn't um, get rid of. And, and, and ultimately, he, he, he lost that battle. We'll flick our last lap around the table because I know you've got a, uh, a whistle in your hand, probably ready to, uh, to to coach. But I guess is that the biggest takeaway from from you through through all of that that you would have learned over the journey, and that's the message of the day. On on one hand, that it's uh, don't be afraid to talk about anything. There is always someone there that's prepared to listen. Those attitudes of you know toughen up and all of that sort of stuff don't exist anymore. And I guess the second part is. It takes a bit to get your old mate Plugger back to, to St Kilda and back in footy. We know he, he sort of lives the quiet life, but that probably sums up Danny a bit that he's been able to draw Plugger out for this week. Yeah, look, they they, they were they were just two great mates and, and, and you know, shared many a trip from down from Ballarat and many a laugh and many a many a you know, a heartache and, and, and celebrated many victories. So yeah, look it was it was it, it's it's fantastic to, to know that he's coming down to, to share in this special day and put his support behind um behind the cause and uh I'm uh, I'm sure he won't mind um the locket in turning into the Frawley end for a day. Um yeah and it'd be great to catch up with him. Now Going back on the years, now I'm assuming the numbers of the lockers were in order, so you probably would have shared a locker alongside him for one season, I believe. Um, yeah, yeah, 24, yep. 23, we yep. did, yes. Yep, yep. Um, yep. Is there, knowing what he's knowing what he's like, is there sort of anything you might have found in your locker any days or he played any sort of hidden anything <laughs> from you or he played any pranks on you being, being your next-door neighbour? Well, um, we we both played a, a bit of a practical joke on Brian Wilson, who came down from Melbourne um, in a in a uh, you know a, a pretty was a, it was a pretty flash car for us in those days. It was a nine eleven Porsche. It wasn't the greatest Porsche you could have, but it was still a Porsche, and uh, he was pretty sort of happy with himself. And for those in you, Willow, he, he was extremely confident, and um, Spud decided to uh, bring some super glue in one day. I don't know why to super glue up his windscreen wipers. So he, in fact, got me. Said, "Oh, look, I'll, I'll keep a look at you. You do the job. You do the task." So I've super glued his windscreen wipers up. <laughs> Had a bit of a chuckle. We've got, we've gone back in the rooms and we've actually forgot about it for a couple of weeks because um, he, he, Willow had been playing a few practical jokes on on all the boys and he got spud a couple of times. So. We totally forgot about it. About a, about a month later, he's rocked in, and we heard him talking to the bootstutter, saying, "I've just I've just spent fourteen hundred dollars replacing my windscreen wipers. Like the motor burned out, and of course, being a Porsche, every spare part was it cost a fortune. Now, fourteen bucks back in those days was probably equivalent to about five grand today. So, I've just said to the big fella, do not say a word. He's never going to work out what it what it was." So for about 12 years, nothing was said, and um, Spud retired, wrote a book, and it was one of the stories he put in the book. So, of course, Willow's the first person he rings is me. But, um, no, we've, um, we've, we've, done a, we've done a bit. We've, he, 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 I was massively into Masashi back in those days, the old amino acids, and you know, he, was, he was putting dead snakes in there, and <laughs> I was putting mice, mice in his tracky pants and whatnot, and... It's all the usual, all the usual, uh, you know, good, fun, sort of, uh, you know, locker room bandits that, um, 
yeah, it was, uh, yeah, it, it's just, yeah, I, in, in, in one way I love talking about it, in another way I'm just sort of, I'm sort of angry, I'm sort of disappointed, I'm sad, it's just real mixed emotions, um, he just, he just should be here, and it's just so sad that he's not, so. Lowy, I'm just going to take you back to, to 1995 and, and the time of, of Spud's retirement, um. Now, you and Robert Harvey presented Spud with a, a framed picture from his last game, uh, I believe it was. And, and I know that because uh, my old man kept me home from school that day that you went to pick it up from, from his shop in the city. Yes. And, um, yes. What, do you, what do you say when you're presenting, you know, at, at that time, the, the longest tenured captain of the footy club? What do, you, what do you say to him when you present him something like that on, on his retirement? Well, we played. We played the Bulldogs out at the Bulldogs. We we had a reasonably good day that day. We got about I think about six or seven goals up. Um, we were, we were trying to orchestrate to get him a goal in the, his last game. So if you look at the replay, you'll see him running down from fullback on about three occasions in the last quarter. Just couldn't quite get it, but um, it, it was emotional. It was probably the first time that that um, a player ran through the banner uh, with his child. So he, he's, you know, started a new trend. Um, Chelsea sort of came through the banner with his with his jumper on. And, yeah, it was just a, a lot of emotion, a lot of tears, um, as you can imagine. Um, yeah, very, very emotional. Um, you know, we, we, we'd sort of grown up as really, you know, we, we, we had Trevor as our first uh, captain. And, you know, both halves and I were extremely close to Trevor and, yeah, that was that was just you know tragedy, which you know with with what happened to to, to Trev, and then um, and then obviously yeah, it was uh, yeah, it was a sad day. Um, but at that stage, you know, we were we were just adamant that we were just going to um, follow in his footsteps and lead the way he has. So as much as we were really disappointed that we that we you know we, we were going to lose him as a captain, we knew that we weren't going to lose him as a mate, and um, we just wanted to. You know, and the team in, in in the right frame, and I think in a couple of years after he retired, we managed to to, to, to play off in a in a grand final. Obviously, not not um, not quite getting there, but there's no doubt that a lot of the work that Danny had done for a long time, um, you know, really really set that group up. And you know, it was disappointing that he he couldn't quite last another couple of years and and make it in there, but. Um, yeah, you know, he, he certainly was just fantastic for a long, long time and, and just a great competitor and a super, super captain. As we let you go, the, the very final one, one thing else that you did say at Best and Ferris Night was you, you spoke to the group and said you need to build a legacy for yourself uh, and, you know, and follow the examples set by people like Danny. And you said, look, as past players, we've had our chance and, and you guys get the chance. They've, do you feel that they've, they have kicked on a bit? I mean, they've responded pretty well uh, as, as a group to, to the last sort of 18 months and they seem in a pretty good place. Oh look, I, I was I was privy to, to um, be up in one of the um, one of the sessions they did pre-season uh, up at Ballarat, where I, I got an opportunity to speak to the group and just told a few stories about Danny the person and Danny the footballer and Danny the trainer and my teammate the captain. And um, there's no doubt looking at the group that they are a, a super super tight group. And um, yeah, I, I I just absolutely. Um, Rap for the boys, and uh, I think Rats is doing an awesome job, as all the coaches are. And yeah, I, I just think there's um, there's something special brewing, and it's not going to be too far away before we hopefully um, you know can taste the uh, the ultimate success. So fingers crossed. Who knows? The, the Bulldogs proved a couple of years ago that um, you know younger teams can do it. And in saying that, I think we've probably got one of the older lists going around at the moment, which I find hard to believe, given the fact that we've got so many young players. But um, yeah, I, I think it's. Uh, I think we've got a super mix, and yeah, I, I, I reckon we're not too far away, guys. So hopefully, the same supporters will get something to cheer around. Well, Paddy Ryder's about ninety-three, which I think hurts that a little bit. But Stewie, uh, good luck to uh, to you and the, and the Haylevery boys as well. Good luck for Saturday for Spuds game, and thank you very much for giving us some time uh, second time around. No, my, my pleasure, guys, and I just uh, implore all the Saints supporters out there to to dig deep and. And give to a, a tremendous cause, and uh, I know I know it'll touch a lot of people, and and uh, and, and really support uh, the, uh, the the charity going forward. So uh, I'm sure there'll be plenty of um, advertisements as to who people can call and, and what they need to do over the next uh, sort of coming weeks.
So thanks again for your support, guys. That was Stuart Lowe joining us for the second time, and obviously a very worthy cause. And Spud's Game, time to talk. It's a groundbreaking new initiative designed to tackle mental health issues within the community. It's our chance not only to celebrate Spud's legacy as a player and a person, but promote a national conversation that can help lead to early intervention and fight the prevalence, the scourge of mental health issues within the community. If you head along to the St Kilda website, there are plenty of other places to donate, but saints.com.au, there's a banner for Spud's game and there's a button that says donate now. You can certainly do that. There'll be opportunities to do that on the day for those that are heading along to Marvel Stadium as well. So a very, very worthy cause and well done to all of those that are putting their names and support behind that. A very important message and my main takeaway from what Stuart Lowe said, boys, was that Spuds often spoke or often did talk about it. And he sort of spoke to us a lot about it in here. I used to host a show with him called um, uh, No Man Should Ever Walk Alone, which dealt with physical and, and cardi- cardio health and, and mental health and those sorts of things, was that uh, Stewie said then that they, they knew often that there were things that were going on behind the surface, but they, they weren't able to necessarily know or to help. And that shows that that as much as Spud became aware of that message and started to pioneer that message, that he perhaps didn't always know it and maybe didn't find it out early enough for his own sake and for his own benefit. And unfortunately, uh, that's where where it does leave us. But that was my main takeaway from that, that uh, Spud himself fell victim to, to, to the message that he's trying to preach. Yeah, I think it, it proves that, you know, it can happen to anyone. doesn't matter if you're, you know... If, if you're a young kid, doesn't matter if you're a, an elite athlete uh, and a superstar of, of your field. Um, you know, I, I did a little bit with Spud um, on a, a Golden Fist campaign with, with Fox Footy, um, you know, about a decade ago. Um, and uh, you could tell whenever he came into the office and, and mm. had a chat that there was there was stuff. There was stuff on his mind. And, and, yeah, and he was do. quite often, you know, pretty open and, and honest. And, and, you know, you'd ask him how he was and he'd go, oh, having a shitty day. Yeah. Um, and, and he was, he was great like that. And I think if these initiatives can, can help another young kid come out and be able to say, I'm struggling, um, and, and you know, help them get the assistance and the, and the help that they need, then, then, you know, it's done its job and, and Spud would be proud of that. Yeah. And I often used to, I mean, further to that, similar thing, like you'd be working on him here. It might be a phone call where, um, you'd have him on for a segment and, and one day it would be, uh, you'd send him a text and say, can you chat? And he'd be like, yep. And then you'd do the chat and then it would be bang phone conversation over and, and very short. And, and, but then three days later I'd be at the MCG and you'd be on your way out of the ground and he'd walk up behind you and put you in a headlock and be like, Oh, Parker, how you going? And like full of, full of beans. And, and it's things like that where you just sort of, you know, you, you, you wonder in your own mind, whether you were reading the signs correctly, could you have done more and, and those sorts of things. And I think it's little things like that. Like if people, People are allowed to have shitty days and you've got to encourage them that that's okay. You don't tell them to be quiet. You don't tell them to, you know, just go off and leave you alone and all that sort of stuff. Just, just see, yeah, you find what you can do in, in those situations. You don't pry and you don't keep poking people, but um, you want them to feel safe that they can obviously trust you to talk about those sorts of things. Yeah, you can't, you kind of see it with the way that teams are giving players time off now. You, we didn't see that five years ago. Yeah. Um, it's It's come along a lot more recently the teams are realizing hey if the player's not well mm. they shouldn't be here yeah they yeah. need to get away need to just take the mind off what their usual day-to-day routine is and just just freshen up have a bit of time off get back because that's going to be longer for them and uh, better for them in the long run better for the team in the long run mm-hmm. um it's yeah just it's it's become a bit more commonplace now that you see okay a player's he's not Going so great, so the club go look, get away, mm. just just go go get yourself right. Exactly, and it's it's the same as we'll take him. Like if you if you mate, you know he doesn't want to come out that day, that's okay. Or if he does, you know, it's it's not hanging shit on people. It's it's listening. If like, if your mate's like, yeah, I'm not feeling the best today, He's, you want him to be able to say that to you, and then you want to be able to, you know, offer whatever support he needs. If it's just listening, if it's a beer, if it's a walk, if it's anything. Yeah, that, that's it, and it hits it hits different people differently. I remember as you know, as a teenager, you know, I've had my battles with with the black dog that you know you guys you guys know. Mm. Um, 
Yeah, and I remember there'd there'd be weekends where you know the group of us would would go out and and, and I wouldn't I, I wouldn't want to come and, mm. and I'd mm. uh, you know make an excuse so I'm busy or can't do it. But but in reality, you know, lying in bed watching TV and sure. and just yeah. just don't want to do anything. But on on the flip side, I remember getting older and kind of understanding a little bit more about about the environment and and that life and and what you need to do and. And on the flip side, I remember sitting in, in the, the, the grandstand at the MCG watching a, a St Kilda Carlton game with you, Parco, and, and just yeah. letting yeah. you know letting it all out for two and a half hours, yeah. um, which, you know, if, if you'd said to me that I would have done a few years earlier, I would have gone, no, nah, that's, that's, that, right. that's shit. I wouldn't, there's mm. no chance I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do that. But, um, you know, I, I think everybody's reaction and everybody's experience with depression and mental health is different. Um, and it requires a certain level of personal assistance and personal understanding and um, again, like I said earlier, if, if initiatives like this and, and Spud's game and, and his legacy are that, um, you know, one other young kid is going to feel comfortable coming out and, and saying to someone, I need some help or, mm. or, you know, I'm not doing too good. Then, uh, then it's done its job. Yeah. And, and even, you know, scenarios like that, you want people to, to be able to say, I don't have to give the boys an excuse. I don't have to say, oh, you know, mum's crook or, um, you know, I've got to look after such and such. You should be able to just say not feeling it today that's it and and be able to get away with with that and, and have people go okay no worries maybe we come to you mm. you want us to come over and have years at your house yeah. instead Anything or something differently or or whatever it may be but but people not to feel like yeah i can't tell them the real reason so i'll tell them a different one that's it yeah exactly and, and right. the, the, i mean the, we all know i mean and this is not a pushing a men's thing that the facts are, are laid bare the suicide numbers men compared to women is wrong it's astronomical. I mean, the whole thing, but you can't have a, a statistic that's skewed that far that way without it being a really significant problem. That, that's right. And, and historically, yeah. you know, it's, it's inherent in culture that, that over history and, and over time, men haven't felt able to be able to do that, to be able to say, I'm struggling to, to be able to come out to their mates and, and say, look, I need a hand or, or, you know, um, just, just lend an ear for a little bit. You mm. know, I, need, I need to talk. And, and men in particular find it difficult to talk. Um, and it's something that, you know, it's a lot easier for me to do now than it would have been 10 or 15 years ago, having made the effort and, and gone through that process. But, you know, it's certainly, it's certainly one of those things that there needs to be more, more focus on more education, mm. more understanding that, you know, this is a real, a real issue. Mm. And as was he saying, the center that's going to be open, that, that it's a place that's going to be for people to go to just, I mean, yeah. The ones that don't want to say to people, I'm not well, they can go there and, and <clears throat> work it out. And eventually they might be able to say to their mates, I've been going here. So it, it's just getting, the money that will go to this to help get it open and get it running and, and that is going to go a long way into the future. I and mean, you'll find, yeah, whether I mean, it's, it's, a, it's going to be pretty localized to begin with, but let it, let it expand over time, get more of these places going and... Yeah, you'll find that it, it's going to help more people than you'll ever, ever realise. Yeah, I think we all know what happened to Spud. It shouldn't have happened, um, but it did. And it's a case now of obviously turning that into something that can benefit a lot of people, which he was already working to do towards the latter stages of his life. A bit undersized, Josh Battle. The bigger man is the day, Jack Higgins. To Loney, these dangerous small forwards. Loney's bent that around. Miracle goal, Jack Loney. Something from nothing. We look ahead to Melbourne. Six-day break coming off uh, a gruelling game in the wet uh, and interstate, obviously, versus Melbourne seven days. That's something to overcome. Um, Max King to return. Zach Jones to return, which will help. Um, Melbourne obviously coming off a 22-point win against Fremantle at the MCG. And an undermanned Fremantle. It wasn't a great game of footy, but we know the Ds only missed the finals by percentage, I think, last year. So they're not a bad outfit. It's been a good matchup for us in the past, generally, this one. Uh, we did lose to them last year, which was one of the losses that, that, that pissed me off the most when they beat us in Ellis when we had 48 inside 50s to 30 and just couldn't score. Um, Christian Petrarca tore us apart that day. And, and hopefully we can contain it. I think we tried to tag him with Seb Ross, if my memory serves me correctly, that night. But 
Hopefully we can work on a few things. Obviously no Ben Brown or Wiedemann for them, so their forward line's a bit smaller than what they would hope for it to be. Um, but clearly Max Gorn is one of the things we have to overcome. I would imagine that the changes that would be made would be King and Jones, probably for McKenzie and Mason Wood, who was the sub, is actually credited with a game for the Saints. Um, and then they'd rotate the sub, whether it be Bytel or, or something like that, Nick. But uh, how do you see it selection-wise? Yeah, I'd, I'd probably agree with that. It's a, it's a really fascinating game. I think Melbourne are one of those teams, you look at their their roster and their squad, and they should be much better than they are. And, and you watch you watched their game last week and, and even at times last year. And sometimes it looks like they just don't want to be there. They've got yeah. so much talent on that list and they should be tearing teams apart. And, and really they're not. And, and even, even last week, you know, it was, it was a, a decent win, but they weren't impressive. No. Um, and it was, it was hard to watch them play. They didn't play a good brand of football. They're not, they're not fun to watch. It didn't look like they were having any fun out there either. And, and that was after kicking the first five when you yeah. think they'd be up and about. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's kind of polar opposites to where we are because every time we run out onto the field, we look like we're having fun. We move mm. the ball quickly. We're fun to watch. You know, we play really attractive offensive football and, and it's, it's the opposite of what seems to be happening at Melbourne at the moment. And, and I'm not sure what the issue is, but clearly that there is plenty of talent that we've got to be concerned about. And, and, and regardless of, you know, whatever external views anyone has on, on Melbourne as a footy club or, or how they're tracking there, there's, there's, Heaps of talent there that you've got to be concerned about. Yeah, whether they've been told the to bike down a little bit after a couple of years ago, run around, ask us what we're going to do in September, and then missed out themselves. <laughs> it's yeah. it's it's always been a bit of a, I don't know, it, it, they seem a little, I guess, laconic at times. They're mm. kind of a bit like all of a sudden they take off and they've, they're destroying team and then they yeah slow down and the other team pulls them back. And it, it's if you can catch them in that moment where they're a little bit off guard and really punish them, that's where you're going to win a game against them. Um, I don't know whether it's because, I mean, they do have quite a young team. They've got a lot of young players in there at the moment. Um, yeah, whether it's that whole, they're not up to that stage yet of get that consistent football going or just don't have the experience that maybe a lot of people think they have, but it's, um, yeah, it's a team that we go, well, look, Technic, you're looking at the teams, we, we should beat them. They're, yeah, we should beat them. But there's absolutely. some players there yeah. that you if you let them go, yeah. they will hurt us. Mm-hmm. So we've got really, really got to make sure that, yep, we've got to pick out the right players. Don't kick it on Stephen May's head. He's going to take the ball, take Correct. the mark all the time. Yeah. You, he was best on on Saturday. You don't yep. let yeah, Clayton Oliver just run through the middle by himself and let him do what he wants. and. Don't don't sit two meters behind Petrarca in the forward line. Exactly. Yeah. There's there's a few little things that you go do those things right, and you push them aside quite easily. Yeah, and that's the thing. Is I mean, Gorn could have a field day against us. We've obviously got to get that right. We've got to either or just shark him if we can in the middle. Don't let him put it down players' throats and just get that matchup right if he goes forward. I mean, Tom McDonald's their other tall. Bailey Fritch plays as a medium. They've got Luke Jackson, that second ruckman who's only early in his career and, and shouldn't be a huge problem, but but he's a talented young player. Brayshaw. Um, Bra- yeah, obviously Brayshaw and Oliver through the middle of the ground as as well. That They can obviously win a, a fair bit of the pill. But, yeah, I mean, they, they, they flogged Collingwood last year. They beat us. Uh, but at the same time, Fremantle and Sydney smacked them late in the year and, and, and cost them their season. So they can be a, a strange mob. Like they, they can play really well. They could come out and beat... Um, Who's another good side? They could come out and beat uh, the, the Bulldogs yeah. by seventy-five points or something like that at the MCG. But then, then the Gold Coast had been by Coast, hundred yeah. at Metricon. Or, or, or yeah. it's it's really bizarre. So I mean, we get frustrated, but I can yeah. tell you, the Melbourne fans get really frustrated That's with right. how they turn up sometimes. It's an important game. It's an important occasion. We've got a few things that are favouring them. Obviously, the break and the, and things like that. But the venue suits us. We should be pretty hard to stop on a fast track. If we can get enough ball, we should be able to wrong foot their defence a little bit if we don't kick it to May all the time. So it's a we created an opportunity with a good win against the Giants. We need to win a game like this, particularly as we say, Melbourne just missed the finals. Um, we 
when I was just made the finals, we always looked like we were going to make it, but the gap between us and them wasn't great. Yeah. So to to get a win on them here and and you get know game up on get them. that yep. game up on them would would be important just to to help consolidate yeah. what we're trying to do. They're so. definitely one of the ones who yeah. are trying to push us out. So mm-hmm. especially given how tough the the fixture becomes, mm-hmm. you know, in in the month following, um, you know, it would be great to get off to that two and zip start. Uh, but you know, you talk about those the little advantages and 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 maybe. You know that that little advantage is that is that emotion that's going to be in the rooms before, yeah. before the game. Um, you, you think if if there's anything that's going to get the boys up, it's going to be it's going to be this and and what this game stands for and 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 who it stands for you know, as, as a club and and as a person and and a, a former captain. How important Spud is and and was to our footy club. Um, you know, I, I think there's going to be a, a fair bit of emotion. I think they're going to come out firing. I'd, I'd, yep. I'd suggest Chip's probably going to be in there to mm-hmm. have a, give him a little rundown or something before they go out. And I mean, uh, how how much he would be just sitting back going, I "Wish he was out there." Cause, I mean, it, the injury happened. You sort of go, "Oh, now we know he didn't." So you soon as you thought mm-hmm. he's going to miss round two, uh, it, it's, yeah, he, he was he was ready to go for it. And mm-hmm. it's the one game he if he played one game this year, that would have been the one he wanted to play. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, got, got you know Tony Brown and, and Aaron Hamill both wear. You're both war number yeah. two for us, still yeah. involved in the club. You've got Jake yeah. Carlisle, who's obviously a, a pretty mm-hmm. hard nut um, and, and loves a bit of emotion and passion. So I'm sure there'll be, I'm sure there'll be some feeling. Yeah. And it, there has to be, I mean, given the, the, what, what he sort of meant to our club. And I think, I think one of Spud's daughters goes out with Angus Brayshaw, I think that's right. For the Possibly. crossover into to Melbourne. I'm pretty sure that's right. And apologies if it isn't, but I think it is. Um, but yeah, that, you'd think all of that all of the messaging around, you know, the, the club's been really big. I mean, Stuart Lowe's spoken about it a couple of times where they've gone to Spud's farm in Ballarat and have, have learnt the legacy of, of him and, and, and what it all means. And one other thing that came out of the press conference is that I don't, I get the feeling that Paddy Wright is not all that far away. Um, based on Brett Ratton was talking about how he's in regular contact with his teammates still, uh, and he's basically saying to them, look, I, I need to do this. I'm going to be back. But when I come back, I want to make sure I'm playing my best footy. But reading between the lines, it feels like that's, you know, it's not this week, but it might be next week or the week after. It's not that far away, I don't think. And I think Marshall's pretty close to him. I mean, it's, it's not a great matchup to be losing both of those players in. But um, if we can just work our way through it and get the big boys back, then... Um, yeah, we we can hit those tough fixtures. When I say tough fixtures, they're all tough, but hit the Richmonds and the West Coast and the Geelongs uh, with a full head of steam, hopefully. Yeah, I mean, you look at it, it's, it's one of the key positions we basically went ahead with last year from the mm-hmm. year before. Um, I mean, two years ago, uh, Roma's basically, it mm. was pretty fresh still. He, he did a great job, but then he's come in and... Um, uh, Paddy's come in and he's just lifted into another level again and helped him out. And so just, just to have those two back in the team, it's, it's going to lift us again. So it's as soon as we get them back, mm-hmm. yeah, it's, it's going to change our season again, another, in a completely different way. So there's a lot of upside. It's, of it's, upside. you sort of look, okay, if we, we bring these two Ruckman back, how are we going to take out a small player to try and have that or is it going to come down to where we play? Yeah, because so McKernan's interesting because obviously Hunter would, would go out with all due respect to him but then it's whether they play McKernan or if that's too many. As or, a forward or Yeah, something. exactly. Um, yeah, so that that's all all really, really fascinating to see. And Good problem. So. Yeah, and, and Brad Crouch will play the week after. This is his second match of his suspension. Um, and Geary, maybe round five or six and Hanabry, not so sure. We know Patton's done for the year with a sickening injury, but, um, it sounded like, um, yeah, from all reports that, that Zach Jones and, and, uh, Crouch were the two best on yep. ground for that Sandy scratch yep. match. Yeah. So, that, so that's a good sign. So Jones will play this week for sure. Um, and King obviously all good after the, the mishap and probably a blessing that it rained in Sydney, which meant we didn't miss the tools as much as we otherwise would, but it is Spud's game. It's great to get Stuart Lowe and, and Chelsea Frawley on this week. If you are heading along to Marvel, it's going to be terrific to obviously get a good St Kilda crowd there. If not this week, then hopefully over coming weeks and those numbers stay the same and we can get the 75% and possibly more in attendance at games over the course of the year. But uh, thanks for, for listening if you've, if you've stuck with us this far. And um, we'll be back with another edition next week and hopefully another special guest, hopefully two and zip 
ahead of the side that you must beat more than any other in the world, and that is Essendon in round three. But uh, thanks, boys, and good luck this Saturday. Go Saints. <laughs>